Katie King, thank you so much for joining me today. I am so excited to be speaking to you. How are you? My pleasure, Dylan. It's, yeah, I'm really, really good. Yeah, greetings from the UK, and it's a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm really, really excited to unpack what you know about um, marketing, like on the, on, to the next level, as well as AI and and basically how to take a company and I think unlock its competitive advantage through, you know, like your book says, um, understanding the data and the numbers. Um, mm. But before we jump into that, maybe if you can just introduce yourself to the audience, please. Of course. Yeah. So I'm Katie King. I am from the UK. I have been in marketing for 30 years. I run AI in business a consultancy on how you apply AI to your marketing and sales, especially, and also Zudikas. So I'm a, a digital marketing specialist, and uh, this is what I live and breathe. And I'm an author of a few books, and I'm sure we'll unpack that a little bit more as the as the course goes on. Yeah. So uh, uh, you you've got a similar um, setup going to me. So I have a digital agency. I haven't yet written a book. <laughs> I've started <laughs> I've started writing it for like about five years and every year I'm like this year I will do it so okay let's just like how did you actually finish the book because I'm sure you're a very busy lady <laughs> the book's hard work so the first book was published in 2019 and it's been amazing so you know I, I'd been an expert in AI in, in marketing and in digital and innovating and staying ahead and I got a I approached proactively and that's a key word for me is about tenacity and mm. proactivity I approached a publisher and I had the credentials because I'd been doing quite a lot with the BBC and a year of a so I think you've got to have something to offer you've mm. got to have a track record so I then part-time spent a year really speaking to some of the biggest brands some of the tech disruptors all over the world so I featured exciting interesting companies doing some great work on AI and marketing and mm. so the book is a collection of case studies so the book's hard work but it was really worth the effort and then I've just finished my second book literally just finished 85,000 word manuscript which wow. ended up being 90,000 words and that will get published probably February 2022 and may we so, know May we know a little bit about that book, what it's about? Is yeah, it AI, is definitely. It it's, it's similar. It's about AI strategy. So it's AI strategy for your marketing, sales, and CX, your customer experience. Whereas right. the first one was more practical, how to, how do you use it? What are some of the tools, which I'm sure we'll talk about on, on this podcast. So the current yes. book is still very current. You know, we're, mm -hmm. we're kind of, what we're discussing here is pretty ahead. So the, the current book is still being translated into other languages and still very much fresh and so on. Um, I just need to be on a journey of continuous learning, mm -hmm. which your listeners need to be as well. Um, so I have to keep trying to stay ahead. Mm. And I'm 54. I'm 54 and I've been doing this for 30 years. So wow. it isn't about age. Mm. You don't hit a certain age and then you're past it. Yeah. You have to keep shaping your mindset. Just as to kick off, why should marketers and business owners and CEOs care about AI? Mm, yes, good question, Dylan. It's no longer acceptable to ignore it. 
because you will get left behind. That's the truth. And that's me in a very honest, pragmatic pragmatic way saying to you, if we'd had this conversation last year, the year before, there was time. Mm. Whereas now you need big data insights about your existing customers, your potential customers, your other stakeholders, because your competitors have got those. Mm. And if you don't have those, you're not being able to offer the same personalized journey, the same ability for your salespeople to convert with, you know, greater, uh, more speedily and with greater accuracy. So that's the main message really is you can't afford to ignore it anymore. So, so where do you start? What's the beginning? Where Mm. do you start on this journey? Like if you're, if you're a, obviously small, medium and large is AI just for the big corporates? How do small companies unlock AI? It's a big question because obviously you're touching marketing a very, you know, I don't know if you are touching it in a broad way. I'm assuming you mean marketing at large. And to me, and that's why I think we have to kind of always go back a few steps. To me, marketing is about satisfying, and this is the definition, you know, satisfying customer needs profitably. Mm. So marketing is about strategy. It's about helping the organization to to have products and services today that meet the current needs of customers, therefore to be competitive, but also to plan ahead and be competitive going forward. And so AI can help you in many, many ways. So it's very accessible to companies of all sizes. If you're talking about, for example, an AI software embedded tool that maybe is helping you with your digital marketing like Concured or Phrasey. If you're talking about the customer journey and you're talking about a um, interaction with customers at scale in a very cost-effective way, then you might be talking about some kind of chatbot or automated assistant. And that's more expensive. You know, you might be talking eight, 10, 15,000 pounds. Whereas some of those other tools that I mentioned are under a hundred dollars a month, you know, and can be done on a subscription basis. So AI is really accessible for salespeople, for marketing people, for HR people at a kind of, think of um, software as a service tools. So I'm a small business and I've used an accounting tool uh, free agent costs me 120 pounds per month and it's a data analytics tool that syncs up with my bank account and all of that kind of thing the kind of tools i'm referring to help you do that what i call the three b's the dirty dull and dangerous so they can do the repetitive mundane boring tasks very very well and there are so again it's quite a com- quite a, this is quite a long answer i hope this yeah. is okay jump in if if it's if you want to but um ai has been around for 70 years and it's only really been really viable in the last 2 or 3 years because the venture capitalists can pump money into different areas of ai and digital marketing ai and sales because We've got big data that's come from our 10 or 15 years of our smartphone usage and it's cheaper processing. So now we're in this AI summer. Hmm. Okay, so long answer to really say 
yes, it's accessible. So what I understand you saying is, which problem do you want to solve? And go and find the AI tools that solve that problem. So there's a, there's a whole bunch of AI tools that solve different problems. Um, and so how do you get to the big data? What if you don't have big yeah, data? Yeah. A lot of my clients mm, don't have big data. Good question. Mm, yeah, it's a good question. So you're right. The start point is not a tactical, all my competition are doing this, I need to do it. It's strategic. And so you're rightly saying, what problems do we have that AI could solve? Or what markets might AI unearth for us that give us opportunities? Okay, so that comes back to data, as you rightly say. And the phrase is garbage in, garbage out. If I don't have a good data set that's clean, diverse, etc., safe and has consent and is, you know, giving data privacy, if I don't have all of that, I'm not going to really be able to touch AI. And that's why COVID globally has accelerated this digitization. Mm. And by that, I mean, even us here being on Zoom, um, many, many companies have done in the last kind of year in a space of a few months, what they probably had planned to do in a couple of years. And so everyone's had to digitize to an extent mm. so that they could carry on in business. And that's not AI, but that's paving the way for AI. So they need to get more data, they need to be more digital, they need to work with data scientists, either their own people that they upskill or their own people that they hire, or a hybrid where it's their own people maybe upskilled combined with using tools or partners that are out there. And yep. we're talking that we're talking big vendors like IBM Watson and Azure um, and Adobe Sensei, or we're talking thousands of AI tools out on the market for everything you can imagine, particularly so, in sales and marketing. So I, I've spoken to a couple of big corporates in specifically South Africa, well-known brands and um in, in a lot of cases, they have so much data, they actually don't know what to do with it. And it's mm. time consuming to mine the data for insights. And you've got a person who sits with some repetitive job, like let's say the mail and pulling lists, and they're using these expensive uh, marketing automation platforms, but they're not getting the most out of them because they don't know how or the data is messy. So I think that... Mm. I, you probably find a lot of this that there's it's quite a journey to get to. I mean, you have to clean. You may have um, dis, disparate data. You may yes. have, you know, so messy data situations, chaos, chaos. And then once you've cleaned all of that, then to make sense of it, and then to use that in marketing. So it doesn't sound like the data analysis side is a is a quick fix. No, it's not a quick fix, but. You know, you again, it depends on your objectives, doesn't it? And so you do need to start out with that clear objective. The AI is going to be coded, 
you know, based on what you're trying to achieve. So let's say you're going into this in a bigger way and you're working on a platform and you're creating your own algorithms um, and you're trying to create your own bespoke thing. That's not going to be easy. That's going to require data. That's going to require time and resource. But some of the tools that I'm referring to, um, they're used to, these companies are used to working with small and medium-sized organizations, helping them clean their data. And a lot of what the tool itself does is self, you know, is it works itself, mm. you know, doesn't mm. require too much input. And it might be Brandwatch, for example. So you tap into Brandwatch. Brandwatch has an AI assistant called Iris who guides you around. You know, you input your data. It tracks your brand. It tracks your share of voice. So it could look at all your social media platforms, for example. It's not always about huge data CRM package and so on, but there are tools. So Adobe mm. Einstein will tap into your um, email and your point of sale and your uh, your own CRM and so on. So it, it sort of depends which part of the puzzle you're working in on, but it doesn't all require huge volumes of work. Mm. And I think, but it does require clarity on what you're trying to achieve as an organization. Yes, and I. I think just hearing you chat, I am using AI. I just didn't refer to it as AI. There's so many platforms and tools we're using that we don't think of. It. There's machine learning. There's artificial intelligence. This is a this is a learning program, which means it's mm-hmm. AI. And so, you know, I, I there's yeah, yeah. I think actually it, it's so, that's a good point in itself, though. Because- because actually there's a lot of business analytics tools on the market. They're not all AI. In a way, if they do what you need them to do, it doesn't matter. Mm. I'm not saying everyone's got to use AI. The definition of AI is that it's imitating intelligent human behavior. Mm. And that it's with machine learning, that it's continually data is being input and it's learning and it's, mm. it's developing and so on. Um, but if a digital tool or a different analytics tool is helping you achieve similar goals, mm. that's fine too. All mm. I'm saying is that AI will shape society, will shape the tasks that we do, and therefore, as a technology, we can't afford to ignore it. Mm. I, I completely, completely agree with you. Um, so how does one create a AI business strategy? What are some of the things, mm. the headings that need to go into an, an AI business strategy? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. In my book, and you don't have to buy the book to access it. So on my website, which is aiinbusiness.co.uk, I've got a, a scorecard for success. Okay. And you can score your Uh, naught out of five for 10 core segments and they fall into categories such as mindset innovation having a business case and doing a proof of concept and then thinking about the bigger picture of ethics and so on so there's some of the key ones so it's so, so think of it business case okay that's your point earlier Dylan of What are we trying to achieve? So you've got to know what you're trying to achieve. You need the buy-in from the board, from the management team. Yeah, you need to do a proof of concept. Otherwise, you're going to waste money. 
You need data, as we've talked about. You need talent, and that's either resource, hiring, upskilling, and so on. And then you need to think about the big picture of ethics, consent, explainability, privacy, and so on, regulation, um, and many more. So there, there are 10. And, you know, you need a roadmap and so on. But they're the first, they're the, they're the ones I would say. So the way I try and break it down is I say to people, AI needs to be on your one, two, three-year business plan, but it should be on your six-month plan. And what I mean by that is what are, um, as a team, you could sit down as a small team and you could delegate to your team and you could say, right, we need to have a watching brief on the competition. We need to know what our competitors A, B and C are all doing and what are they doing digitally and what are they doing with AI if we can work that out. And then we need to start considering certain tools and analyzing them and maybe doing a road test of them. So that's a nice, simple way of getting going. Mm. What are we trying to achieve? What's the competition doing? How is our market taking advantage of AI? And how are our clients taking advantage of, of these tools? And sort of almost second guessing what might be coming down the line by tuning in to the best resources, your podcast, my book, this report, etc. And I think there's a lot of there's a lot out there. I think everyone who is playing in this space, you know, they're creating helpful white papers to try and educate, train, and inform customers. Um, so you touched on garbage in, garbage out, and you know, you touched on diversity in a database. And obviously, you know, there's the whole GDPR consents. You know, Poppy. We in, in South Africa, it's Poppy. Uh, the Pop Protection of Personal Information Act. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, what, so let's go back maybe to the collection of data, because if you're not collecting, like you said, diverse data, you're going to have skewed results and not even realize there may be racism in your data. I, I was reading yeah. about that, you know, and so what is your, what are your learnings in that space? Mm, so, I didn't want my bio to be too long when you asked me for that elevator pitch, but I'm also on the all-party parliamentary group for the enterprise adoption of AI and also on the editorial board of the AI and Ethics Journal. So I'm mentioning those two because I'm hearing and witnessing and learning all the time. You know, yeah. from around the world, we hear evidence from brilliant people all over the world regularly about these key issues, which are global issues. And so the truth is, it's quite early days mm. and the regulators are in catch up mode mm. around the world. You know, mm. there's regulations that already exist, like your poppy and our GDPR. They already exist. And within GDPR, there are two clauses that are relevant to AI in relation to transparency and, and fairness and so on. So you've got to abide by what already exists. And then new regulations are coming through. And my advice to marketeers is not to sit back passively and wait for this to catch up, but to take a proactive stance. So, for example, I'm a member of our Public Relations Communications Association. 
and um, you know some of your clients or your listeners you know that might be involved with the retail consortium or the accountancy profession or the construction industry or whatever it might be and the regulations that are very relevant to protecting those companies and those individuals that they serve they're still catching up with that and the balancing act is balancing innovation and regulation and so the biggest thing is that we need to respect people's data and unfortunately i'm not going to get too contentious but unfortunately some of the big technology mm. companies have not done that have they mm. you know and we've seen scandals with facebook and cambridge analytica and all kinds of global issues where unfortunately some of the tech companies in recent years have thought that they're above that mm. um and so our job is to respect our clients data to work with a provider that respects that data mm. um and to make sure that we are adhering to the code of conduct that's there mm. and that when we cleanse our own data and the partners that we work with that those boxes are ticked so that we don't inadvertently you know cause any real problems for, for mm. our clients and their data and and so on which is the irony of the fact that google's original slogan i don't know if it's changed was do no evil or don't be evil or and yeah i, I don't know if that's still very true given the privacy and yeah all i of know it's tracking. difficult isn't it yeah it is difficult but, as a know, marketer yeah carry on no, no, I was going to say, I mean, IBM pulled back from using facial recognition, which was a good move because certainly here in the UK, you know, we're a very multicultural society and, you know, we've got poverty and we've got different postcodes of wealth. We've got, you know, different, obviously, races and people were being discriminated against based on their postcode where they lived based on their color of their skin and some of the um, problems were that the algorithms didn't respect and see mm. that color mm. and so there's a there's an opportunity for AI to eradicate bias but there's also huge problems that if let's say Unilever as a big brand they have used a lot of AI in their human resources because they found that they were biased and they were hiring the same kind of people mm. over and over again. Mm. And so they used some AI hiring tools to try and not eradicate, but to try and make it fairer. Mm. Yeah. And I've called it in the past, Mr. Pale Male Stale. Okay. <laughs> and which usually means male, 50 plus, gray haired. And that for a lot of companies up until maybe it's still very much the case, but the board was made up of that. Mm. And I think there's been, and we're both women, you know, there's been a big push for women mm. on boards and gender equality and, and race equality with Black Lives Matter. So I think it's early days, but if done properly, the AI could assist but equally could fuel the bias and make it much, much worse. So we've got to be careful of that. I suppose it depends on who's driving, who's at the helm, 
and also you know it may be unconscious you know but but i agree with you um yeah 100 percent. so let's talk about mm. the competitive advantage mm. so you mentioned in the beginning you know it you could have the edge over your competitors um in terms of your sales reps being better empowered your marketing being more empowered now one of the things obviously like with the cookies and the pixel tracking mm. um as a marketer i feel like if i do the market if i create ads and campaigns that are unique and targeted for each different audience and segmented then it shouldn't be invasive because we are solving problems based on mm-hmm. you know but but that's not how you know that's not actually reality out there you know you just get bombarded with ads and ads and ads and ads even whether yeah. whether you interested or not you just yeah so what are your views on on some of that yeah they're good questions it's about benefit isn't it and again it's an, a demographic thing certainly i've got two daughters of 22 and 25 and they're happy to give away their data if they get some mm. benefits and so on um i'm happy to give away my data because i'm very digital and i can see some downsides but i see lots of benefits as well um to your point about marketing you know differentiation and, and benefit and and different you know and how do i benefit from this i'd say the paradox and there's a chapter in my book about this in the first book the paradox of personalization is the key really because the case studies in the book from retailers to banks and others say that paradoxically the ai might be coming it might be artificial but it makes us more human and makes us able to offer customers very targeted marketing and very personalized packages of services or products and so by having that insight so so an example with tgi fridays they would no longer say about me female 40 to 55 if i give them consent to use my data they're giving me personalized offers mm. and they're saying katie comes into our restaurant on a thursday evening she loves to order ribs with a star martini but her husband is vegan Mm. and all of a sudden they can package up promotions for me they can give me great customer service they might know my birthday so as long as it's not too intrusive as long as it's not handled too intrusively and as long as they've got my consent that is a huge differentiator and the mm. banks like um NatWest and uh Metrobank and others certainly you know certainly in Europe and Saxo Bank in Denmark they said to me we used to treat our customers a big homogenous groups of people now we can tailor new services for them and give them sales packages and marketing packages very granular mm. that's the big differentiator if you don't do that and your competitor does you're going to lose market share I I love that if you think of medical aids and insurance medical insurance you know when you're in your 20s you're maybe not as sick uh, you know covid removed from the scenario and you mm. just want dentistry and maybe glasses and and then as you grow older you know so tailoring it to your age or yeah. you know where you where you are in life makes a lot of sense but I think Exactly. I think yes 
and and there are tools there's people.ai like i say there's concured there's conversica there are tools that can help tell the sales teams where to focus their efforts because they need to focus on more personas like the ones that have just closed because they know that when that person comes to the website they spend more time here they convert and we want more of that kind of business and that level of data insight in sales and marketing is creating more effective conversions and loyalty and so on and that's the differentiator and i think what it's done for me as a i'm a I'm kind of come from the arts. You know, I came from a, a background in French and German as my degree. But then I did an MBA and then later did a diploma in marketing. And marketing was always quite soft. We couldn't always measure the effectiveness. Mm. But analytics, particularly in the last sort of, you know, 10 years and even five with digital marketing tools and now super you know, jump forward with AI, it's scientific. And we can prove and we can road test and split test and do programmatic and, you know, the AI fueling that SEO and programmatic and making it accessible and affordable um, is, is very powerful. Mm, absolutely. So how do you overcome resistance if you're in an organization and you you're experiencing resistance to these changes, you know, what, what, what would you do if you're the marketing manager mm. and you're trying to introduce this, but you're getting blocked? Yeah, great question. S-curve, you show them that companies like Podak and Blockbusters and Nokia, you show them that if they don't innovate, they go out of business. <laughs> so you prove with a hard bottom line, if we don't do this, we will go out of business. Our competition will erode our market share over a two, three-year period, and we'll be out of business. That's the hard piece. You educate, yeah? You educate them. Send them on one of my workshops. <laughs> Buy the book. You know, run your own training for them. Um, so, yeah, it's education. You show them that this isn't scary. You know, you're educating them. This is not big, shiny robot come and taking all of our jobs. Mm. This is the next level of automation tools like the last 10 years. So it's not about, you know, tomorrow's future artificial general intelligence and HAL and Terminator. So I think actually, you know, you know about marketing and AI because we've dived in some great questions. People often go, oh, but am I going to lose my job? And mm. is this going to mean there's a big robot strutting around? That's not what we're talking about here. There is yeah. that. And there will be job losses and there will be massive areas of um, decreasing job demand. If you look at what the World Economic Forum are saying, 85 million jobs will decrease in demand Wow. But 97 million will increase in demand. So there'll be a net gain. Yeah, there'll be a net gain. And wow. that's in four years' time. Wow, that's insane. So that's the World very, Economic Forum, you know. That's, that's a short period of time to adapt. And as you said, it's already, we're already late to the game. 
Um, I wanted to just comment on what you were saying. You know, digital marketing, for the longest time, I've been saying it's a numbers game. It's a numbers game. Uh, but a lot of marketers and digital marketers are not still not comfortable with the numbers. You know, they tend to, you know, let the agency look at the numbers or, you know, just trust with the data scientists. And mm -hmm. so are you seeing a new breed of marketers coming to the fore who are numbers creatures to the bone? Um, what is what is your take on mm. that? That's a really good question. You don't have to be a numbers person. You know, there are tools that will do some of that for you, but you've got to do some analysis of it. You've got to have a team member who can do it, or you've got to outsource it to an agency or a partner. So it's got to be done, but it doesn't mean you've got to be, be that pure breed. I think what it is doing, though, is removing some of the more admin intensive aspects of marketing so to my mind the tools will do that and therefore the entry point for marketing means that the hierarchies will get flattened so actually you don't necessarily need the marketing intern to come in and analyze the press coverage and go and do some of the rudimentary you know basic boring tasks that can be done by tools and I think we'll carry on doing it for a few more years and we'll have laggards who take years to catch up so it will still happen but on the whole the the companies that are ahead and ahead of the game and and keeping up will look back in a couple of years time and say why did we do that so manually and therefore the people that really get on will be strategic because mm. they'll know how to analyze the numbers they'll know how to take advantage of these tools how to go up the food chain and be more strategic because actually yeah. what we do in ai with ai in marketing and ai in sales is at the center of what a business's success hinges on so mm. we should be on the board you know mm. we should be yes. me advising the ceos which i do you or if you're in-house you know so I think the ability for someone, maybe a marketing student coming in, they should be able to rise up the ranks quickly. They shouldn't have had, they haven't got to wait 30 years to say, oh, I can keep up with Katie now because she's got 30 years experience. No, mm. you come in today, you show me you're smart, you show me you've got the right attitude, you show me you use the tools, you know how to analyze it. You can kind of move up quick. So I actually think it's a huge that. opportunity. But I you don't that. have to be the techie. You don't have to learn to code mm -hmm. in Python and yeah. TensorFlow. You don't have to do that. But it helps if you know the numbers. So, um, like when I when I um, train on um, Google Analytics and I train on you know how to create a good report because a lot of marketers struggle to put a good report together. Um, for me, it's important about asking the right questions before you even look at the numbers. Like you have to formulate your questions. And then you look Absolutely. at the numbers, otherwise you're just going to be completely slowed down, you know, overwhelmed. So yeah. what are some of the yeah. right questions that companies should be asked, CEOs should be asked themselves, marketers should be asked themselves mm. that you found? So my start point is always, what's our business? You know, what's our purpose? What are our values? And what are we trying to achieve over the next one, three, five years? And then we're considering who are our stakeholders, you know, who are our existing customers? How can we retain them, cross-sell, upsell? And who are our potential clients? And then we're looking at where are those people actually 
active, where can we influence them? And then we're saying, which teams, like which, what, what mix of people, account, own people and tools, man and machine, is going to help us achieve that? So, you know, the marketing strategy falls out of the business strategy. The marketing strategy is about, you know, um, creating life, 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 lifetime customer value, you know, and attracting. And therefore, we're going to have a very integrated marketing and sales um, plan and the right people. Yeah, part of that is attracting and retaining the right people. So, you know, it's really looking at the job ahead in order to satisfy. It might be an exit on the stock exchange. It might be a trade sale. It might be international growth. What's essential? What are the key performance indicators and what's going to help us get there cost effectively? But we've got to have a view on the external market. You know, when you do your pest analysis and you're looking at, you know, the um, all the different external factors, mm. God forbid, a future pandemic, more mm. tech transformation, um, you know, erosion by a new entrant that comes into the market. So kind of we've got to be strategic mm. and we've got to find the right balance of tools and upskilling that enable us to achieve those objectives. I love it. Uh, I, I, I created this, I love tables and I created this table called the target market table, which I'll put the link in the description. Yeah. And it's very that. similar, you know, who your customer, your audience, unpack them. And at the end, I've got which channels and where are you going to reach them? And now I'm going to add in which a column to say, which tools are going to use you. Yeah. Uh, are you and then your KPIs, which I love. The that. digital tools as well as AI tools. Let's not blind everybody with pretending that AI is being deployed at scale. It's not. It's mm. still quite early. Think of the Gartner, you know, the Gartner hype cycle where mm. you have the innovation phase and then you go up and you have this peak of paranoia and expectation. And then for some people, it falls into the trough of disillusionment. Mm. We are not yet out of that and at the plateau of productivity. So financial mm. services and retail are ahead of the game. Mm. Some sectors and marketing as an industry job function, marketing, sales, CX, PR, comms, digital, all kind of in that mix. It's not yet being deployed at scale, I don't think, in any country. Mm. So you can still be ahead of the game by starting to innovate and so on. So, it. you know, you're not you're not behind if you're not yet deploying it, but don't wait too long. I love that. So there's a there's some there's some hope yet. Mm, um, definitely. So sort of just to wrap up and that in terms of the trends and the future of AI, where do you see it going? Because we all know where it is now and where it should be. And, and but like, where do you see it evolving into? Mm, I see it. So I, in a few years' time, and maybe it's more like five or more, we won't care about the term AI. Yeah, think of that S-curve that I mentioned. You know, mm -hmm. it will have matured. And just like we don't care how our smartphones work, do we care about the technology with the chips and what's behind it? We don't. We need it to work for us. Mm -hmm. So I think it will evolve. What's missing with it at the moment all these hundreds and thousands of tools available, the glue that knits them all together is missing. So I think we'll see more integration. I think we'll see more um, 
codes of conduct and regulation of it, which will be, I think, make people more likely to use it. So I think it will be safer. I Mm. think trade bodies in marketing, in um, the way we use AI in marketing, in retail, in construction, they will have got their act together more. So I think it will be mandated and more acceptable. So I just think it will mature. Mm. But I don't think that's happening overnight. I think, it again, it depends on your country. It depends on your industry sector. It depends on your job function. but more maturity, slightly more mid to long term, forgetting the term AI and it all being in mm. kind of almost like, you know, if, if you're a Microsoft or Google or, you know, you're going to have like we've got Microsoft Outlook, you know, with Word and PowerPoint and so on. You're going to have a tool that has AI built into it that can do a lot of this for you. Yeah. So it will probably get swallowed up into some other packages. Hmm. I, I think um, you're right. Um, okay, so let me just finish off by asking, are you reading any interesting books at the moment? Oh, wow. Do you know what? I <laughs> Not tech books, no. Not, um, I, uh, because I've spent so long researching my second book, I'm reading books for fun as part of a book club. <laughs> but what okay. I would recommend to people, um, there's a brilliant free course on AI called AI Essentials through the University of Helsinki, you know, Finland. Mm -hmm. That's really good. Um, I tend to watch people and what companies are doing. And I do my own research by, for example, every day, I do a personalized Google News feed on AI and then a Boolean search, you know, like capital A-N-D, AI and marketing. And I find what Bain and Deloitte and the World Economic Forum and PwC. So I I check and you'll have your equivalents of my financial times, you know, my FT. So a credible daily newspaper um, analysts, you know, Mm. like McKinsey, um, Gartner. I check what Gartner Cool Vendor Awards are. So Gartner, but, you know, let's be realistic. You can pay yourself into these analysts. You pay to be part of it. So Mm. you've got to have a little bit of skepticism, but they are quite thorough. So what's won the Cool Vendor Award from Gartner for AI and marketing? So Mm. they're the sort of sources. I check what the World Economic Forum are doing. People like Kay Firth Butterfield, um, yeah, but no book. I'm not reading a really good book at the moment because I had to do so much research for my books that I kind of like, well, you know, <laughs> and I could cite you hundreds of the books that are in that, that uh, <laughs> I could pick off one or two for you and we could put it underneath for people post post this. But uh, yeah. Or we can just buy your book and then we don't yeah. have to read hundreds of books. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. You see, I've had to do all the grunt work and you can just read the highlights at the end of every chapter exactly. of the top 10 steps so that you can even, even not read it and just go to the end of each chapter (laughs) (laughs) shortcuts (laughs) (laughs) I love it Katie you've been absolutely amazing I've learned so much you've absolutely inspired me and I hope you've inspired uh, readers and listeners and viewers and we wish you all the best thanks for your time and to you too it's been a brilliant interview thank you thank Thank you. you